Hey, this is Craig from the Craig Skits Podcast. You can find me on twitch.tv slash Craig Skits or youtube.com slash Craig Skits. And guess what? You have found we podcast and we know things. And you know what? That's good. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 208 of We Podcast and We Know Things, where we recap all of the week's nerdy news. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me is almost always the best damn voice in the business in crystal clear HD, Sam Matura. Look at us podcasting on normal time. I know. It's 7.30, which is our normal start time, and we're on time. We are live on Squawker. Uh, so we are happy with the audio tonight. No more phone. And also we're recording a day early. It's Wednesday, October 21st. Uh, we are recording a day early and releasing it a day early. We're going to drop this episode on Thursday, the 22nd, because we love you all. And totally not because of the Eagles game on Thursday night, along with the presidential debate. They have nothing to do with it. Who's better than us? It's crazy. So. Big stories and uh, show for you tonight. We're going to start off with our picks of the week. Then we'll go into trivia. It is 13 for Sam, 12 and a half for me in our race to 11, win by two. In what is turning into one of our longest trivia competitions in the history of the four-year it, it, it may never end. It's crazy. Uh, and then uh, let's see. Sam's going to take over in gaming. We got arguably our favorite monthly topic, the September NPD, where we rank the top 20 best-selling games of each month. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Phil Spencer and the big Bethesda acquisition from a month or two ago, uh, as there's been some news and some uh, stories coming to light from that. We have a review of uh, very nice the Borat subsequent movie film. Uh, we have a review of that. We got some, uh, let's see, some Snyder Justice League stuff that we're really excited to talk coming about. Coming out of nowhere. Some big, some some good, and some bad. So that with the good, you take the bad. We have uh, some Michael B. Jordan news where we're going to have our top three for the evening, our top three favorite Michael B. Jordan appearances. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, some big Power Rangers news you're not going to want to miss. Another update to the Dexter Limited series coming to Showtime next year. And I have some big reviews in the music section before Sam takes over for his CGC spotlight. And we're going to get on out of here. All that and much more. So a big show for you tonight. Let's start, as always, where we do with our picks of the week. So I finally got around to watching The Cabin with Burt Kreischer. I, I knew I was going to watch it. Obviously, we know I really like him as a comedian. Our good buddy Alex, even he saw everything before I did. He said, yo, when so I know something's funny when I'm belly laughing. I was like, oh, look at Alex belly laughing. Yeah. So it's it's only five episodes, super short. There's I think it's only like 22 to 28 minutes long mm -hmm. each episode. So each episode, like the whole plan is, is like he goes to a cabin to just kind of relax. But if you know Burke Kreischer, you know he cannot relax and he needs his friends there with him. So the first episode, you got him and Tom Segura and Joey Coco Diaz. Um, I think the second episode was Nikki Glazer and Caitlyn Jenner. Third episode, Bobby Lee and Donnell Rawlings. Fourth episode was kind of weird. It was Miss Pat, Kaylee Cuoco from The Big Bang Theory and Joel McHale. Wow. And it came out of nowhere. And episode sure. five, which I think could be my funniest and favorite, is Dion Cole, Anthony Anderson, and Big J Okerson. And yeah. Bert, they just do crazy different activities. And it's it never goes as planned, especially if you know Burt Kreischer. So if you just need, need to laugh and you got about an hour, hour and a half, check out. 
The Cabin with Burr Kreischer on Netflix. I hated it. You hated it? I, wow. I, fuck, I fucking hated it. I thought I was so bored. Now, I only gave it the first episode because I love Tom Segura and Joey Coco Diaz is a living legend. So I said, oh, this has to be for me. But when he FaceTimes his wife in the like towards the beginning and says something like, honey, I know I came up here for this and it's so scripted. I know that's the point. It's like semi scripted, semi like they they kind of script around what happens. So I understand the premise. I get it. It's not a reality show, but it's not totally scripted. I didn't like the hybrid and I just I just never left. Not once. Wow. That damn. That's a damn shame. I, I know. Put a few people that we were just cracking up. I, I man, it, that sucks, man. It does suck, and I love a lot of who you said. So, I, I, admittedly, I only watched episode one, but I just I was so unimpressed that I decided I can't. I'm not. I'm not. Now, I mean, dude, is it something. All, all as I know, episode five, <laughs> they go to um a, a beehive, and Bert, of course, gets stung. And later he's oh if you spit on it it helps. <laughs> he gets Dion Cole to hock three loogies on it. He missed the first two. Greg, I was in tears. Oh my god. <laughs> I uh, now it's it's something I would consider putting on in like the background when I'm editing. So that's a plus. So it's not like I'm never going to go to it. But like right now you got the World Series on, so I'm going to have that on tonight. And then next week I'm probably going to have like episodes of bob ross because that's more exciting to me so whoa 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 <laughs> hey I, I i like bob ross but come on that, that's some you want to go to sleep you put on some bob ross come on. i i just i can't i just wasn't into it but you know what i i knew at some point you were going to talk about this show on the pod because of how much of a kreischer fan you are quite frankly joey coco diaz i, I know mean, you love him i mean half them comedians you know bobby lee i listen to all their podcasts so it's like to me, yeah. it's like when everyone's like, oh, it's bad scripted acting. It's like, this is like Bert being Bert. Like, I'm sure him and his wife argued like crazy about this freaking <laughs> show because he is the machine. He doesn't stop. He's always moving. He's always yeah. doing something. I, right. I hope we get a season two. Yeah. that I mean, listen, I'm not I'm not closed off on it. I just I just was not impressed. I watched it the day it came out. Actually, I've been sitting on this. I've been sitting on my opinion for over a week. So. Cool. Like, I've been, right I've been waiting to shit on it or not because he's probably going to use it as the pick of the week. I don't want to shit all over it. And then that same week, Sam, it's his pick of the week. <laughs> I just didn't want to. I didn't want to rain on the parade. So I no, no, I no. But hey, I understand it. You know, different strokes, different fo- folks. I was actually talking yeah. to people on um, a Batman Facebook group, and we're going back and forth about Jesse Eisenberg and Lex Luthor. Like yeah. they consider him one of the greatest villains ever. I was like, guys, there's nothing. No one can ever tell me. To, that, that can convince me that he's threatening or, or, or was good as Lex Luthor and say, hey, guys, I'm glad you guys like it. I don't want to take that away from you. I yeah. was like, I wish I could like it as much as you guys, but I was like, I just can't. Yeah. Hey, listen, my pick of the week is, uh, is insanely absurd. It's out there. I don't think you'll like it either, but I was drawn to it for some reason. Now, I was looking for a good anime, and I don't know why, and uh, sometimes I just get in the mood. And I watched some anime. Now, what I wanted to do, and this is not my pick of the week, but what I wanted to do was try to watch was try to watch Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh Oh my god! I never, I never watched it. Are you watching the original? original? The original, right? So I wanted to watch it because I know you're a big fan, and I had never watched it. I was never a fan. I've seen episodes. Just to tell you how big a fan I was. I or I had the the complete series of the original first five seasons in a box set. I sold it a month ago. I literally just bought it on Amazon. It'll be here tomorrow. 
<laughs> I I wanted to love it, so I gave it a shot. And I well, first before I did that, I went on YouTube and I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole to try and understand the backstory a little bit more and try to kind of prepare myself for what I was getting into, and I just couldn't. So uh, I I just I gave up after an episode, but I said I'm still in this anime. But you mood. watched the first episode. I did. My grandfather has no pathetic cards, Kaiba. I could still quote that show, and I haven't uh, seen it in years. I and I hope you watch it when that Blu-ray comes, my friend. Um, oh no, it it's DVD, buddy. Oh, okay, my bad, my bad. That, that I'll rewatch standard it. Def. That's standard I'll rewatch. Def. I dude, I I like I remember when I bought it maybe two three years ago, then sold it. I rewatched it, and to me, it still held up. Yeah, I feel that way about you, you and and Pokemon. Oh, dude, that's to me, that will always hold up. Yeah. Uh, so, so I was looking for like a new one that I had never heard before. And I always remember there being this one about basketball that I was like really intrigued by that. It was apparently it was super popular and got a manga, which most anime do or even get inspired by. And I even think I heard something about it coming back. So I was searching on Hulu because Hulu has a crap ton of anime, including Yu Yu Hakusho and, and Yu-Gi-Oh and all that. So I typed in the basketball anime on Google. I found the name. I put it in. They didn't have it. But that got me into like this sports anime vibe because like, I don't know, I was just in the mood. So I came across this anime called Mix, M-I-X, the Maysay story. And I did a little background on it and it did have a manga in the 80s. And that's what this anime is based off of. It's a baseball anime where... Uh, these two, I, I'll just say siblings of some sort, you try to, you find out more about that. So I won't give any spoilers. These two siblings of, of some sort, they're the exact same age and born on the same day. So there you go. They both play for their high school team. And it's a lot like initial D where tack is or Takumi. If you want to be real, he is like this insanely good driver, but does it in private. So nobody knows he drives the mountain passes at four in the morning. Um, this is the same thing with this guy being a pitcher. Uh, he waits till everybody leaves and the manager is gone before he takes them out. His, you know, his sibling is the catcher. So they've grown up throwing to each other and, and getting good at baseball. And he secretly wants to be the ace pitcher of the staff, but the team already has one and they haven't been to the playoffs in 30 years. So this is their fight to get there and for him to become the ace pitcher of the staff and, and lead his team to victory. And I was like, well, this sounds right up my F and alley. Let's go. I got through like 14 episodes in two days. I couldn't stop. It's just, it's cool because it's about baseball and it's actually really well animated, especially like the form and the, you know, the grips of the pitches and how they move and the, the mechanics of the pitcher. And just like, I just like the way it was done and it has an interesting enough side story with a sister and parents and this this new kid that I thought were intriguing enough. Will I say it lit the world on fire and it was the greatest anime I ever watched? No. Will I say it's even better than, let's say, an initial D, which is the only other anime I can even classify it with? No. I mean, that's probably a little bit of bias and nostalgia there, but it was really, really good and, and one of the better animes I had watched in a long time. So I'm, I'm really digging it. It's Mix, May Say Story. I love, I love the fact that you're watching more anime. That's great. I'm just hurt that you didn't like Yu-Gi-Oh! I I don't know. Maybe I was just secretly in a sports anime mood the whole time. Could, could be. Could, yeah, again, and I know Yu-Gi-Oh! is not everyone's cup of tea. You know, like I feel may, maybe if it, you know, you weren't younger and you didn't play the card game. So you don't have that like initial like, I don't know, that that draw to it like I had it. I just I felt like if it was just a story about a kid who was, 
you know, going through the motions and then everything happened to him, I'd be like, okay. But it's the mix of like, he's an old fucking like Pharaoh guy mixed with like a new guy. And they're like the same guy. It just was a little bit much. Wow. I, I, I love your <laughs> sum up of Yugi Moto. Wow. Nailed <laughs> it. Out of 10, where was I? Seven? You're like a, sol- a solid six. <laughs> Let's get into trivia. Sam is 13 for me. To, or, sorry, 13 for you. 12 and a half for me. I'm going to give you your question first. See if you can pull away here with a point and a half lead. Uh, all right. What you got right. for me? A second week in a row, I'm giving you a Pokemon question. Okay. And this is a video game question. So it's, you know, right in line with what we played as kids. So okay. it should fall right into your wheelhouse. In the Kanto Pokemon games, so we're talking red, blue, yellow, fire red, leaf green, just those games that take place in Kanto, aka Generation 1. There's a hidden item on the PC that's in your bedroom that you get just for free, just by accessing your PC before you leave for your adventure. What is that item? I have no idea. An item that was in your room. As soon as the game starts, you're in your bedroom. If you go over to the PC in the corner and you access that PC, you can actually withdraw an item and you get it for free. It's a little hidden little Easter egg. I used to do it every time as a kid, and I, I did it recently when I just started playing through another game. So leaf green. So let, let me hear some answers. All right. Is it a potion? Is it a Pokeball? Is it an antidote? Or is it the town map? Potion, potion, Pokeball, antidote. Or town map. Interesting. I kind of like all of them. Well, the then town. good. I did a I did a good job coming up with three bad ones or fake ones. Yeah, the, the town map sounds obvious, or it's just a great, great pick for you. Hmm. Um. God damn it! What would you, what would he give you? I mean. Let's go tell Matt. Incorrect. It's I a, made that one up. Antidote. No, it's a All right, potion. Good. All right, good, good. I was I was against antidote and and tell Matt. Yeah, so tell Matt you get from Gary. We'll call him Gary. Red, blue, whatever. We you get it from your rival's sister in their house after you get like the Oaks parcel and wow. stuff like that. Yeah, dude, I don't even remember. That's how far yeah. back. You get a Good free question. potion. Yeah, Good thank question. you. Yeah, Good the question. only the only reason I asked you that is because I just started playing through Leaf Green this week and I did it and I was like, I'm I'm asking him this. There, there yeah, there's it. There's his question. No way he knows. Poor sucker, don't know this one. That's why I texted you earlier the week in the week and asked you what your favorite old game was, just so I could make sure that you've played it before. Oh, it definitely been played, but she over like 15 years ago. <laughs> All right, brother. Here we let's see what you got. Which Mario Party game was the first to feature Toadette as a playable character? Okay, so it probably was a GameCube one because I know that uh, she was not in. I don't even know if she was around in the N64 days. She might have been, but. um, But the problem with the GameCube era is there's four, five, six and seven. There's there's four. Uh, GameCube ones. So I'm going to narrow it down to that one. Uh, I don't remember it being in her. I say it. I don't remember Toadette being in four. I don't remember five. And I know she was in six because I have it. So I remember that. So it's either five or six. And because I just don't remember five literally at all, I'm going to go with Mario Party six. 
Correct. Fuck yeah. Mario Party 6. And Whoa, little, my answers were 4, 5, four, five 6, and 7. Yeah, so there you go. I had to narrow Nailed it down it. to the to the, the GameCube. This is, this is one of the examples where I talk, overthink it so much to where it works in my advantage. No, dude, for a second, I was, I don't remember 5, so I'm just going to go with 5. I was, <laughs> I was literally waiting for it. I was like, oh my god, could he do it again? I've got to real quick update our notes on my phone to uh, to 13 and a half to 12 and a half. The tables have turned just like that. And I'm sorry. Yeah. 13 and a half to 13. Yeah. Point. You're up by a half a point. I'm up by a half a point down by a half a point up by a half a point. And guess what? That means for at least two more weeks, we're going to have trivia in this realm. So the, the battle continues. Can we get up to 15? I think 14 and a half to 12 and a half is the highest we've ever gone. I'm pretty yeah, that, sure. That sounds about right, too. That I'm pretty sure. All right. Well, I need to get a tougher question for you next week. Please well, don't. Let me, ta- <laughs> <laughs> let me take over in gaming, and we'll start off with our favorite. We got September's MPD. I love, I love, 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 love doing this segment. And I will kick it off by saying September was a crazy month. You had Tony Hawk on September 4th. You had Marvel on September 4th. You had... Super Mario 3D All-Stars on the 18th, I think it was. Then you have the mainstays like Madden and I think NBA 2K and Call of Duty and all that stuff. Um, This NPD was a little different, and I want to tell everybody why. This NPD included the first week of October. I think that ended on October 2nd because there were days in September that didn't end on a Friday. So September didn't end on a Friday, so it, it bled through into October, which means that it includes a certain game that came out in October. Did so crash? We have a lot of different oh, games. Geez, 20 man. different games, in fact. Now, what the NPD does is they track physical and digital sales now. It, not, it did not used to be that way. But for, oh, whatever, awesome. for whatever reason, this month, they didn't track the sales for digital games for Nintendo only. So like the eShop downloads, which I think you'll find will affect a couple of games on this list that probably would have been, I should say definitely would have been higher if they tracked that. So just keep that in mind as we're doing the NPD here this month. Uh, The Nintendo switch was the most selling console of the month as it has been. No surprise. The full PS4 and Xbox one are winding down and we're getting new ones a less than a month from now, just a couple weeks. Matter of fact, Uh, that makes it 22 months in a row, I believe, is the number for the Nintendo Switch of being the top-selling game console. The first time in history that that has ever happened, that a game console has been the top seller for two years straight, uh, which is insane to think in like the Wii era. Is that trivia question? In the Xbox 360 era, pretty nuts to think. So let's go through it. Number 20, Super Mario Party. Physical. That's very weird. That game came out in like 2018. Wow. Very, very weird. Well, people are uh, picking up these switches. They need games to play, right? Yeah, that's true. I just didn't think a party game in a pandemic when you're not really having people over would be the thing. So well, I mean, I, you I, know, maybe families would have a couple kids or something like that. Yeah. Uh, helped along by the DLC announcement and, and a pretty good sale. Number 19, Mortal Kombat 11. Hanging strong. Nice. We're about to get Aftermath. In no- I'm sorry, not Aftermath. Uh, Ultimate in, in November. So I think you're going to see MK11 continue to chart in the coming months. Number 18, Super Mario Odyssey from October of 2017. Wow. Number 17 from March of 2017, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's got got to be people picking Switch up late and buying the old games. It's got to be. 
Now, Amazon had a sale, but I want to think that that was in October. I think it was like a week or two ago. So I don't remember these being on sale in September through Amazon uh, for 20, 20 to 20 bucks off, something like that. So I thought that was this month, but maybe I was wrong and the days are just flying by like you wouldn't imagine. <laughs> um, number 16, new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. So already four out of the, the five games we've said are Nintendo Switch exclusives. To your point, when you buy a Switch, you're not just buying the console, you're buying games. And that's crazy because these are all physical. I thought a lot of these would have been digital. Number 15, UFC 4. Number 14, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Wow. Crazy again. Number 13, and I love seeing this one on the list, Ring Fit Adventure. Ah, nice, nice. I, I've been hearing Gotta a lot of people it. actually using that to stay in shape during this because a lot of so people good. just aren't aren't feeling comfortable yet to go back to gyms. I haven't used it since February, but damn it all, <laughs> it was so much fun. I you you raved it. about you raved about it. It was so much fun. I keep telling myself I'm going to do it, and then I just never do. Uh, number twelve, Ghost of Tsushima. It, it's Love. official. I I am buying this game. I can't wait. I 100%. it was on sale. For 40 bucks in the PlayStation Store recently, I, I passed on it. I passed on it because I, I just know it's going to be physically on sale in or Black Friday or Cyber Monday. So I'm just going to wait for them to pick it up. But yeah, I cannot wait either. I'm hoping for $29.99. That'd be awesome. Number 11, with one day of sales, October 2nd, Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. I love that Crash is still popular now, like this day and age, that people are still hyped for this game. For the one day of sale to hit number 11, that's impressive. Very, very impressive. Number 10, continuing to be very impressive. From May of 2017, and the number one selling game on the Nintendo Switch's history, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I, I love it. I Again, you, they have to be working on a sequel. Please. How, how about this one? Number 9, again, October 2nd. One day of sales, Star Wars Squadrons. Well, I mean, hey, we all know the Star Wars hype's real out there, so and it's, it, also, it, it's no surprise. It's, 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 Christ, if Crash made it, let's let's call it what it is. Too Star Wars was was forty bucks. That's a that's a okay, steal true. for what I've heard that game was. So that's pretty I good. Know, I, I watched gameplay, and I don't know it 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 didn't do nothing for me. I I have an eighty five inch television, as a lot of people know. Right. If I were yeah. to play a first person space shooter on that, that would be immersive. So that's my big draw is like I, this is not a, you know, a streaming game where I'm playing it off of a monitor or anything like that. I want the biggest MF and, you know, yeah. screen I can find. And that's appealing to me. So uh, another game that when it's like, you know, 1499 or whatever on sale in a year or so, I'll pick that up for sure. Number eight, Animal Crossing New Horizons. On the Nintendo Switch. Number they never, seven. They never thought they'd sell that many copies. Numbers, no, they did not. Number seven, Crusader Kings 3. Number six, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I can't remember the last time a Call of Duty game was this low. Now, granted, it's almost a year old, but still. I did see their uh their zombie upgrade with their little with DLC like, what they did. Yeah, with like Saw and all that. It actually it's it's actually pretty freaking fun. It's very dark and hard to see people, but it looked awesome. Number five, NBA 2K21. This also has an asterisk for digital sales not included. So I'd like to think that this would be uh, either in the four or three spot if it did include digital sales. Yeah, easy. NBA 2K21. Number four, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 plus 2. Oh, it's, it's always good to see. 
Number three, Madden 21. Of course. Number two, the shocker of the list for me, but I honestly thought that this would be number one if they did include digital sales, and especially because it's a limited release, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Oh, I, I, I like you. I thought that was going to be number one. So, I, yeah. I honestly think it would have been number one. It's a console exclusive compared to what the number one is. And number two, they don't track digital. So I'd like to think it was number one, but it didn't chart that way. According to NPD, it was number two because number one, Marvel's Avengers. Wow. I mean, hey, it, it's good to see that the, the game did well. I, I don't know. Listen, I, it, the gameplay just it just missed for me. Listen, a multi-platform Marvel Avengers style combat driven game where you can play online with friends during a pandemic. A lot of people, you know, they don't want the story and, uh, you know, they can find a lot of enjoyment out of that. So shout out to that game for selling so well. It's still not on our list to play, even though you kind of think it would have been. And it just didn't appeal to either one of us. And speaking of Marvel's Avengers, the next gen version has been delayed until 2021. And not only that, but the post-launch DLC story, like they're doing a bunch of chunks of free stories, like kind of in perpetuity. They're just going to keep doing them and doing them and doing them. The first one of those, the big one, has also been delayed until we don't even know. So that one's also been indefinitely delayed. I want to say a couple months. It might be late this year, early next year, but it was supposed to be out relatively soon. And they have pushed it back. And they made that that call in their blog and and that decision while also in the same announcement delaying the next-gen version. Uh, till 2021 i'd like to think that even though it was the number one selling game of the month that it's not doing what they thought it was and the player base isn't being retained you can track all that stuff who's playing the game for how long and are they going online all that shit gets sent to the developer basically they can just track your trophy progress to understand who's doing what and uh they're they're probably not seeing what they thought they would from this game i don't necessarily think that it's a this game's going to be too hard to port up because everyone else is doing it just fine, no problem. And Crystal Dynamics is a big enough developer to figure that out. I actually like to think this is a game performance thing over a uh, it's a little difficult thing. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, how, how many times can people play the same exact thing? I, like, everyone's moves, everything just felt so repetitive to me. Well, I mean, listen, an entire generation of games with beat-em-ups and stuff, they existed for a reason. Sometimes people like that repetitive. Listen, I loved Spider-Man and Arkham, and we'd honestly be lying to ourselves if we didn't say there. That's kind of in the same vein. It's an action third-person game that you do the same attacks over and over again, but it's the story that draws you in. It's the characters that draw you in. It's the voice acting that draws you in. It's it's the combos and stuff that draw you in. So, like, I just don't think... I mean, let's call it what it is, man. The first time we saw these characters, we were like, no. <laughs> like, I, I don't think I was ever in on this game, ever. I was. I was. And then the more and more we learned, the less and less I wanted to be. But even like, like Black Widow looks like dog crap. Captain America looks okay now, but when it first announced, he looked like dog crap. There was a lot of issues. Like Iron Man and Hulk were the only two that looked good, and that's because they weren't humans. One's in a suit, and the other one's a giant green guy. Like, you can't yeah. mess that up. So I, I just... I was a little taken aback the more and more we learned. And uh, they had said they're getting another one of those war tables, I think, in November. So I'm sure there'll be some updates there in the DLC and the next-gen version. But uh, this is just – it's not looking good for the longevity of this game. It's not looking good for from a player retention standpoint because guess what? 
Uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales is coming out. Uh, Cyberpunk is coming out. And whether or not you know it's going to be our game of the year, it's going to be a lot of people's game of the year. And it will be a generation defining game at the end of a generation. So yeah. And there's, there's so much hype surrounding both in games. I know so many people that already have cyberpunk pre-ordered. And of course, like, you know, I actually just pre-ordered Spider-Man. So that will be the game that I'll be jumping into next. Yeah. This is, I mean, same. I have them both in my cart and paid for. So I'm, I'm ready to roll on both those titles. Phil Spencer was interviewed by Kotaku on whether Bethesda games will be coming to other platforms in the future. And rather than me speculate, let me just read the quotes from the interview and you can kind of decipher it however you want to decipher it. When asked, is it possible to recoup a seven and a half billion dollar investment if you don't sell other, I'm sorry, is it possible to recoup seven and a half billion dollars if you don't sell Elder Scrolls on PlayStation? Yes. He then paused, Spencer then paused. But... I don't want to be flipping about that. This deal was not done to take away games from another player base like that. Nowhere in the documentation that we put together was how do we keep other players from playing these games? We want more people to be able to play games, not fewer people to be able to go play games. Here's the, the, you know, that sounds like, yes, we can, but no, we're not. But then here's the big quote to me. Quoting Phil Spencer. When I think about where people are going to be playing and the number of devices we have, and we have xCloud and PC and Game Pass and our console base, I don't have to go ship those games on any other platform than the platforms we support in order to make the kind of that kind of deal work for us, whatever that means. I, I don't know. I, I kind of didn't like where I didn't like anything he said. Really, I felt like that was kind of like the. The cop-out answer to, to be nice. Oh, we're, we're not trying to take away games from you guys. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, I it sounded kind of uppity to me. Well, I, I actually thought the complete opposite. I thought it was very telling. I didn't. I thought that that, that section was like uh, he kind of caught himself when he said, yeah, we, we can we can totally make this deal work without having it. Oh, but you know what? That's not the aim. That's not the goal. But that last thing he said, I actually – think the complete opposite of you if i think you know i don't i don't have to ship those games on any other platform that instead of the ones we support to make that deal work for us that was kind of telling do i think that means anything or that that matters or that it changes anything no i do think it does put it out there that sony be on the lookout or be on standby it's possible I still maintain the where they're going to take it game by game. And I think the giant ones like the Elder Scrolls, like the Starfields, like the maybe even like the Dooms will probably come to multiplat. But there will be games like a like a prey, like, a you know, fables are not not Bethesda. Who am I thinking? Uh, like a Wolfenstein that will come exclusively to the Xbox, you know, family of consoles. I've maintained that from the start. I think that this, while a little damning, doesn't change that. I think it's a big guy making big words and and you know, and all that. But it does leave it in the back of your mind. They might fucking try it. They might just try it, and that's crazy to me to think that an Elder Scrolls game wouldn't come to PlayStation. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't. It just I, he just came off as cocky to me. I think. 
he he's the head of Xbox. I think he can. No, no, no. Of course, but I, I just I I don't agree with that move. Um, I I just think you're just going to upset too many people of kind of doing that. I don't know. I I just didn't like the way he worded that. I don't know, man. Something about what he said. I don't know. I'd it like didn't sit to, right with me. I I'd like to ask. You know, and we'll never know, but I'd like to ask if that was Sean Layden a few years ago for PlayStation and he said the same thing, how would you react? Uh, we just we'll never know because that's a complete hypothetical. But I wonder I mean, how, how much I react. I mean, Devil May Cry was a, a PlayStation exclusive and now it's 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 everyone with Xbox is like, okay, that's that's cool. It's like not more people get to play this awesome game that I've been playing for since two thousand and one. Remember that Devil May Cry, the first three are even on Nintendo Switch now. No, that's exactly. Even, that's even which crazier is great. to think. So more people could even play this game, which is fine. Like, I, I, well, I the just question don't... wasn't the question wasn't are you going to keep it? The question, and you have to remember, give credit to the interviewer, but also what the fuck kind of question is that? The question wasn't are you going to do it or aren't you? He said, "Can you make money if you don't?" That was. Let's not get that lost in this. I mean, of course they're going to make money. I just again, I, I just think he's leaving money on the table. Yeah, and, and I don't I just I don't think that they made a seven and a half billion dollar purchase to make seven and a half billion dollars. I think they made a seven and a half billion dollar purchase to make ten billion. And by it, doing that more, you yeah. put that you put that on multiplat. That's what you do. Yeah. To me to me, that's the obvious thing to do. NBA two K twenty one gets unskippable ads during load times. And I don't think that that's a huge deal if you're watching a commercial for something while a game is literally loading and you can't do anything. It can be annoying, and especially yeah. if you're watching the same one. But I believe in NBA 2K, you can uh, either practice free throws or like mess with your lineups and stuff like that. And you can't do that during these unskip these unskippable ads and, and movies and little commercials now. And that's the problem is it's taking away from those features you can do while the game loads. Now, there wasn't anything about the next gen consoles yet because they, the loading times on those are just so drastically lowered. And also they tried this before with UFC and so many people complained that they, they pulled it. Now, what had transpired since the original story broke was 2K came out and said, oh my gosh, hey, listen – these ads were actually happening during parts of the game we didn't anticipate them or want them to, and we're sorry. And that, I believe, is the lineup thing and the practicing free throw thing. I truly believe that they, they didn't mean for that to happen. But what they didn't say was, oh, by the way, we're pulling them. It was, that's not where they belong. And to me, they're staying. They're just going to stay in a place where they may not be so cumbersome. And I get a, I play games to get away from that shit. I don't yeah. care if it's during a loading screen. I don't want anything. I go on Facebook or Twitter right now, and all it says is vote here, vote here. I'm uh, like, <laughs> I did already. I don't well, want to have to turn it off. It just shouldn't happen. Well, and, and you're still going to get the text messages, the voicemails. and Haven't gotten a single text. Wow. Not, a stink, not a single one. Now I've gotten a shit ton of calls and voicemails, but not a single text. You lucky bastard. It'll be like, <laughs> hey, Samuel, this is blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh my God, like, please just stop. Yeah, well, you, I, what's, I what's worse? Over. What's worse? You getting text messages to vote or me getting emails from Swedish swimwear companies asking to sponsor the podcast six times a day? I honestly don't know because they're both. Sick. Honestly, I'd model the swimwear if we had to. Hi, we podcast and we know things. Um, thanks for just sending a scam ass email and not even taking the time to realize it's Greg or Sam. <laughs> and you just and my name. They, they could they could throw some swim trunks my way. I'll take them. I'm a it's, large. It's women's swimwear. 
I've oh, got oh, women's. Oh, never mind. Legitimately, in the last week, I've gotten three emails from three Swedish female clo- uh, swimwear companies to sponsor the show, and I'm like, it's winter. How many bathing suits do you think you're pushing in Philly in November? Good for a good point. Killzone is coming to PS5? I think so, and here's why. Do you remember last week the uh, the UI demonstration, the state of play PlayStation put on we talked about? Of with course. The, with the cards and everything. What uh, some people picked up, and I didn't. I actually found out about this through uh, listening to Colin Moriarty's um, uh, Sacred Symbols podcast, the PlayStation podcast he does with Chris Reagan. So uh, listening to that show, uh, they were talking about the UI and and I always appreciate and, and listen to their thoughts on the UI because I wasn't very impressed and they they said exactly what I said, but they also felt that it was a good thing. So, which I do too. I just, I don't feel myself using them. But regardless, during that demo, that state of play, something that was really interesting that came up was I can't remember who was doing it. When they showed you the live demo of the PS5 screen at the top left corner, just like on PS4, it has your username as you signed in. It has your little avatar. Mine is Crash Bandicoot. Um, It has Vanilla Bear 35 or Stampede, whatever. Yeah. Um, This one, the avatar was a Fallout character. I'm sorry, not a Fallout, a Killzone character. And the PSN name that they chose was an Easter egg deep cut of a previous kill zone, like NPC that you met two times and is like this cult popular character. And some people are saying, Oh, they did that, you know, as the Easter egg. But there's a lot of people that are saying they did that because kill zones coming. We, it skipped the PS4 generation. It's only a matter of time. And, and I'm on that side that I think it's only a matter of time. You don't do that on accident. That's a hundred percent premeditated. There, there's a method to their madness. Yes. And I think that was I, a great way to tease it. I only played I did I think I did buy the PS3 the mastering of one, two, and three. I remember playing that. Um that was probably the last time I did play Killzone, but I, I would have never I don't I didn't know it enough to to catch them them Easter eggs. Yeah. Uh let's see. What's and you know, what whatever whatever they decide to do with Killzone, it's like you know what? What I, I can't remember who develops it, but they have two uh, two teams. So either way, there is a second team that's working on something, and it's oh, you know what it is? It's Horizon Zero Dawn is their first Gorilla. It's Horizon Zero Dawn and the sequel now. Uh, yeah, Gorilla Gorilla Games. Gorilla Games is does the Killzone games. They have two teams, and I'm I'm assuming that the other one is is working on a on a good game. Yeah, Gorilla Games and Gorilla Cambridge. And I'd like to think that if it's not Killzone, let's get a Resistance uh, collection. Oh, dude, I am God. all in for a new Resistance game. They keep Always. teasing stuff. They keep teasing stuff on socials and they're not giving it to me. I only played the first resistance game and I only beat half of it. I never played two or three. I would love an HD remaster before a fourth one. I was going to say there is one, but for PS3. No, PS. Oh, yeah, it's PS. Uh, yeah, it's because PSP. PS3. They, no, well, PS3, there's they, well, I, there is a PSP version, but there also there is a remaster for, for the first three on PS3. I own it. I thought that the, they came out on PS3. They may have, or was it an HD collection? I'm I think not, they I'll, all they, they, they all pod, came out. out check. Yeah, they all came out on PS3, and then a PSP version came, and I think they were just all bundled together as one happy collection for PS3 towards the end of the life cycle. Yeah, because I I even have the uh, or the, there's a Vita version, and I have that. Maybe it's Vita, not PSP. Yeah. It's I, I never I never beat the Vita one, but I know at least the ones that are for PS3. Like if you 
you definitely should beat the first one because they kind of continue in second one. I think third, it goes off a little bit, but I, I did really enjoy them. Yep. And the last story we got in gaming, you can now play as Luigi in Super Mario Brothers 35. And Nintendo never like uh, announced it. They never teased it. They never hit on it. They never spoke about it. It was crazy that they just... They, with Mario Super Mario 35, they just let everybody play and figure out how to play and win. And I love that. It's like in the 80s when you dropped a new game, you didn't go on YouTube and do a direct or a state of play with all the quirks and hidden secrets. No, you just let people play and figure it out. And that's what I loved about this is the spirit of, well, let me develop my own strategy and let me figure out these Easter eggs and stuff. And playing as Luigi, who's my favorite of the brothers, is really cool to me. What you do is you get to level 100. And you, you know, you get your star ranking and then you start over. So once you have a star ranking, which is level 100, I'm level 73, I think right now. Um, and then once you're the star, when you get into the game, hold L and pl- and play, like go through the loading and, and whatever, whatever. And when the game starts, you'll be Luigi. Oh, that's awesome. Nice little touch. Nice little touch. And I, it, it makes me want to get to level 100 even more than I already do. So I'm really psyched on that. But let's turn our attention to the movies and the first story we have is a review and it's going to be a review of the Borat sequel Borat subsequent movie film. It actually has a longer subtitle name, but I'm not going to get into all of that. Um, it's coming out. I want to say the 23rd of October. Um, and I recently, as in like two or three days ago, watched the original just to get myself ready and back laughing my ass off at the first one. What a great movie. Yeah. The, the first one came out of nowhere. It was just bonkers. It is, and Sasha Baron Cohen just does such a great job with all of his characters, Ali G and and uh, Bruno and Borat and all of that. But Borat's subsequent movie film may not contain all of the shock and all of the original, since exposing, I'll just say, well, no, this is from the first one, so exposing racist students has sadly become commonplace, but it still contains an avalanche of awkward, anxiety-cranking moments that'll have you laughing while watching uh, watching through your fingers like you would a horror movie. And the film's fantastic find, his daughter, each, uh, I'm sorry, and the film's fantastic find, every bit of Sasha, Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen's on-screen equal is who and what most people will be talking about in the wake of this, a.k.a. she steals the show. 8-0. Oh, wow. I mean, hey, I, I know anyone who's seen the first one, you're definitely going to have to see this one. And I definitely butchered the shit out of reading that review. Just it's a good one. If you like the first one, you'll like the second one. I saw uh, like a minute and a half clip of them going to a clinic, we'll say, um, or maybe even a, a place where they try to talk you out of said clinic with him and his daughter. And it was it was gut. I was laughing from the gut. I was guttural. <laughs> oh, you, you got to love that. It was it was grand. So I'm really looking forward. This was the day one watch for me. And this was Netflix, right? Or Amazon? No, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Yep. Jared Leto, in one of the biggest stories of the week, is coming back as the Joker for Zack Snyder's Justice League, according to The Hollywood Reporter. I mean, this came out of nowhere. Literally I, I, nowhere. And this I, I just broke hear, today, Wednesday the 21st. I never heard anything, you know, a whisper of him possibly, nothing. Obviously, we know the Ayer cut is... is is being talked about. So there's that, but I never heard him coming back in justice league, you know, and, and, and I didn't know how I felt when, when I first heard that. And honestly, I would love 
if when, when when he does come back, if he if this is true, he does come in Just League. Just get rid of his tattoos and nope, get rid of his teeth. They won't though. If it's it, Jared Leto's Joker, I don't. I think mean, they, they will. hey, even even David Ayer said he said he maybe he went a little too far with the tattoos and teeth. So I'm thinking, hey. Why not? They can digitally remove it. Well, if they do, <laughs> have, they'd have to come up with a story where he got them physically removed. You don't just tattoos are obvious. You don't just no, 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 no. I, I'm I saying so. See. Like when let's just say just like he doesn't have tattoos and he and his teeth are just normal. I, I think Jared Leto then will be great. I just feel like they they hold him back a little bit, and then when Ayers cut comes out, they just digitally remove the tattoos, and I, I don't know what they do to his teeth. I guess they can't do that. I don't. I don't know how they would do it. Well, teeth are his grill is a lot easier to just get replacement teeth. You could just go to a dentist and get fake teeth put in. You can believe that tattoos. You have to go and get them physically removed, which is a an arduous process, especially for someone who's obsessed with tattoos. Well, like just maybe maybe he jumped in the plan again, bleached himself, and it all went away. There's a there's a storyline I think you could believe. I also just think that he'll wear a jacket, or and just, just won't see him, or like, or they do Scott Snyder's Joker and he cuts off his face and. They do it like starts that. a new one, something like that. Like I get that because yeah. I think like the damaged and stuff like that is the is probably the tattoo you're referring to. That I just, like the I just all, all, all the tattoos. I, I just was not a fan of Joker with tattoos and a girl. I but, I, I, mean, totally I, I like I like Jared Leto as a Joker, and I admit in Suicide Squad he didn't get his fair shake. And I saw um, even David Ayer rewatched his cut, and he said, you know, for so long I thought it was me. I thought I screwed this all up, and he said, nope. My film is exactly like the trailer was and that they butchered this film. And he said that he just played a happy soldier and just kind of kept it moving. So I really want to see David Ayer Scott because I, I like Jared Leto as an actor. I want to see him portray the Joker rather than the 14 minutes we got because we I don't know what the hell we got. So I'm uh, interested to see. I, hey, I said from the beginning, I have faith in Zack Snyder. He may have steered wrong in Lex Luthor. No one will ever, ever convince me right that he was good. I, I, I will have to give the man, you know, I have to give him a shot. I, I like the, the look of the Jared Leto Joker. I don't mind it. I think the tattoos, I'm a, you know, I'm a big tattoo fan. So that stuff doesn't bother me. The grill is a little distracting at times for sure. But I think it works with his gangster kind of style that they went with him. The, uh, you know, the corrupt gangster. I mean, he, so. he's not supposed to be Paul Wall is all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I don't mind it. I, I don't know. We'll see. And I think this is one of those situations where if done tastefully enough, I just, I don't think it matters. I think like maybe he as an actor will bring a little bit more to the character or Zach will let him shine a little bit more than Ayer did. And I think well, maybe not the, even remember it, it, it wasn't Ayer. It was the studio. They, they kind of took over right. the, over that film. The let's say the original cut. Okay. And so oh, and like of the Suicide Squad movie. And so maybe like his performance will match his appearance a little bit more or a little bit better or a little bit more um, in line with that. Maybe it was overboard because of what the studio had forced Ayer to change and then became just a distraction. And then by then it was just too late to make a change because he's such a busy guy and they couldn't do reshoots. I, I don't know, but maybe the style that you know his character will portray in this with, Snyder, with Snyder's vision the grill and tattoos might work. I, I, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to lie. I do. I, I, I would love to see a scene or some scenes with Ben Affleck as Batman and Jared Leto's Joker because, you know, Batman needs his Joker. And we didn't get any 
of it. Exactly. Yeah, I know he was on the roof of the car, but like they never had really a one on one. It was mainly him and Harley. Yeah, they were. They never. Both of their faces never shared the screen. They never. Yeah, and and when they were filming, it was his stunt double, so it wasn't even Ben Affleck. Yeah, and and with this in the same story, almost lost, almost lost. With the good comes a little bit of bad. Jeff Johns and John Berg will no longer uh, be credited as producers of this film. I mean, I, I kind of saw this coming just because of, you know, I follow everyone involved in all the, the drama with, with uh, the actor that plays Cyborg. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Ray, what, Ray Fisher, I think? R- Ray Fisher, yep. And so obviously it's pretty well documented now that the way the production went when Josh Whedon took over, that it was, I guess, a, a, a very bad at- atmosphere around the whole set. And then even, you know, Jason Momoa stuck up for him, a lot of other people. And it, it and it kind of makes sense that to take him off the film, especially he's Bray Fisher's coming back to do more scenes. I'm sure he doesn't want his Berg or John's name attached to anything. It's it, it, it's just a shame because you know John's has the three Jokers issue three is coming out next week to close that storyline um, with him and um um uh, with a Fabian I think his name is um J- or Jason Fabok. Great story, but it just it's such a shame that whatever they did during that. Per- that production or if they were just bullies and treated people like crap like that's just such a shame and it's kudos to Zack Snyder for for doing what needed to be done if it was his call and either way no matter whose call it was I know arguably it's the, it's the right call to make you'd like to think the studio had something to say about that too oh I, I would like yeah, AT&T and probably both I'm, I'm sure it was a little bit of everybody yeah so with that you know there's positive in Leto coming back and we get we just get to have a second chance with him. I feel like this is not only the Justice League gets a second chance, but Leto gets a second chance. I feel like that's a good thing because at the end of the day, if it's a dud again, so what? No, because and, you're and, still and, getting a Snyder cut. Yes, he he deserves a second chance. And like I said from the beginning when the rumors, we are and will be getting a year cut. You mark my words, that's coming. I doubted you with the Snyder cut, so I'm not going to doubt you this time. That's my boy. We may even be getting our first look at the Spider-Man 3 film this year. I don't know how much I believe that, uh, but there are rumors swirling that uh, Andrew Lincoln and uh, Tobey Maguire may actually be reprising their roles from the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man, and we might just be getting a crazy Spider-Verse with some of the old actors coming back. Do you think we're going to get a look at the film this year? And also, do you think those rumors are true that we're going to get a, like a spider verse? It's Andrew Garfield, not Did Andrew, Andrew Lincoln. Lincoln? Yeah. Andrew Lincoln from the walking dead. My apologies. Yeah, I literally awesome. always fuck that up. <laughs> so it's rumors that they're already filming Spider-Man three. I'm pretty sure that's what I read. I just, he's, think he's still, I thought he was still filming uncharted. So it's, it's no, just, no, it's tough. that's what I thought. I was like, wait, I thought he was doing uncharted. Then, then they said that, that they were filming Spider-Man three. Now I, I don't know, which is true. Well, to me, they could I, be doing both. He doesn't have to be in every single scene. I mean, that's to true. Be fair. And you know, Spider-Man three to see it this year. I, I, I think that's a little fast, but I mean, then again, you know, we only saw 25% of the Batman and look at the trailer we got. Oh, yeah, that's that's the thing that I hang my hope onto. And all you really need to show a first look is a tease of Garfield and, and Toby. I, I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense to bring them all back because like everyone, everyone has their favorite Spider-Man. 
I'm I'm still I still like Tobey Maguire. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe that that second film really I don't know. It really made an impact on me. It's still my favorite Spider-Man film. I, I do like Andrew Garfield. I thought the first one he was great. The second one it just missed for me. Mm-hmm. And and Tom Holland's good. It's just it's it, it's a different Spider-Man than than I know from the comics. I like all three of them as well. I actually love Tom Holland and I love Toby. I like Garfield. Um, I like Tom a little bit more than Toby. Toby is the OG, so it's tough to to put him out there as as number two and not my favorite based on nostalgia. I mean, I remember where I was when I first saw that movie in theaters. It was the same day as our eighth grade trip uh, on the uh, Spirit of Philadelphia. I went to Woodhaven with Pope Joy and Mike Robbins, and we saw Spider-Man after our trip. So I will never forget that. Um, I even saw the second one um, in theaters with with a former flame when I was like 14. So that wow. flame lasted three months and then went out. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, those old original movies definitely hold a, a big place in my heart. I just think Tom Holland just crushes it so much. So no matter what, I think seeing all three of those would be great. What I'd be interested in, and I think we've even teased this before, talked about it before, is that opens the door. For, oh, yeah, we did when we talked about uh, – what's his face? Jamie Foxx coming back. I think that confirmed news brings a little bit more to the Garfield stuff because they were in the same film together. And I think that exactly. opens the door for so many other villains. Could we get James Franco back? Could we get Willem Dafoe back? Could we get Doc Ock back? Like there are – and I can't remember who played him, but there are so many possibilities of former villains – reprising their roles in this film, not just the heroes. And that to me makes this better than almost any Avengers movie could be. This is what I was been waiting for. Alfred Molina played Doc Ock. Thank you very much. What a great portrayal he made. Yeah, he was the man. Michael B. Jordan will produce a static shock film. And to me, I feel like this is like so long overdue. I don't know if you watched the cartoon Static Shock back in the day, but I don't even I barely remember it. I remember I, I, it. I watched barely. every single episode. And it's I don't know that to me that always had that like a, a cult following. And I've always felt like it, it should have been it, it should have been done years ago. It's it just good to see that it, it's finally freaking happening. This is where... trying to think, and I'm, just, I'm looking up real fast because our boy plays Phil Lamar played his voice. Mm-hmm. Really? You know. And yeah, and you know, we know Phil Phil Mar- yeah. or Phil Lamar was in so many freaking different shows from Futurama. I'm having a brain fart. He was in, he was just in the new season of Supergirl, but he, he a great voice actor, but he'll always be my favorite in Futurama. Um Pulp Fiction. He was in Pulp Fiction. He was in uh Samurai Jack for like Oh yeah, he, he he was Jack. Yeah, he made made famous by Mad TV, Phil Lamar. So yes, sir. There's there's just some of the Phil Lamar. I, I'm stuff, just going but, down his like just his list of like I, Afro Samurai, the Batman Robot Chicken, the Zeta Project. That was something that they wanted to do after all that. It didn't work. He was John Stewart in Justice League Unlimited. How could I forget that? Invaders them. So he he de- he's definitely been around the block for sure. And and you know we don't want to oh, take shit, he's, he's Ollie Williams in, in Family Guy. <laughs> is he really? Yes, he is. How oh, awesome is that? Ollie is is it's gone right. <laughs> yep, that's him. Oh, that's great. Thanks, Ollie. Uh, <laughs> now I want to go watch the old Family Guy episode. Oh, that's great. We don't want to take this away from from Michael B. Jordan because this is where our top three for the week is going to lie. And getting a Static Shock film even made in the first place is really awesome. I'm excited to go back and check out and kind of 
maybe I do remember it better than I thought, and I'll go back and I'll check that out. But Michael B. Jordan producing a Static Shock film, that got us thinking. Michael B. Jordan is kind of like an overnight sensation. He isn't in like a ton of movie films, but the ones he is in, he they're damn good. So we wanted to give our top three appearances of Michael B. Jordan. And number three, right off the bat, I went with Black Panther. I thought the the chemistry between him and Chadwick Boseman, I, I just felt like they, they kept pushing each other. And I think it made that film as great as what it was. And it, it gave us a different light of him, of him being the bad guy and and sec, seeing how close the bad guy almost was to winning. He, he played a great role in that in that movie. I just don't like that movie. And I went with three movies, uh, three appearances, whatever you want to call them, that I actually really liked. So I think from like uh, how he did, Black Panther might have been my number three. I just don't like the movie. But my number three is Chronicle. Uh, it's my a guilty two. pleasure. It's a guilty pleasure movie for me, although I think it's even better than than that guilty pleasure uh, label. I can't remember the kid, the one kid in it, um, but he, came, he went on to be he went on to be the Green Goblin uh, in yep. the Amazing Dane Spider-Man Dane. Two. Yeah, that's it. So there are th- that movie, man. It flew under the radar. I saw it in theaters twice um, on, on dates with two different girls, but that's, you know, that was 20 something year old Greg flexing. Hey, you're, you're playing the field back when he was 160 and lean and mean. And uh, so love that movie. I haven't watched it in years. Matter of fact, I just went through all of my Blu-rays, every single one I own and I divided into what I want to sell and what I want to keep. And I put that in the sell pile. And after I got done, literally categorizing by an alphabetical order in an Excel spreadsheet, you what did I was right keeping, I, I decided to move it to the keep pile. And I'm, I'm going to watch it because I, I really did. It was a found footage superhero gone wrong movie. And I, I thought that was really new, uh, especially yeah, when and, it came and out. You, and you said it the best. When it came out, came out of nowhere, a, a superhero origin, uh, a, a disgruntled teen getting powers and just crazy shit unfolds. Yeah. And, and the found footage aspect of that, you know, horror is really where you see all the found footage stuff. So for it to be in a dark action, superhero film, I thought was a different take on an, on an up and coming genre back then. I mean, 2012, I think that movie came out. Um, it was new back then. Not every single movie like today, especially horror films are found footage. So I just thought it was a unique take, and that's where I first heard of him. And, and he is arguably my favorite character. I would probably say, I, whatever you said to Han, whatever. Yeah, he's Han. He probably steals the show in that film, but right behind him is Michael B. Jordan, and I'm glad that that's yeah. on your list as well. Yep. Uh, my number two very well may be your number one, and that is Creed. Yeah, I, it, I put Creed one or two as my number one. Yeah, um, I hate number two. I've watched it three times now, and I've been unimpressed every time. But Creed One is my favorite film that has to do with anything Rocky Balboa, and I put that over the old Rocky movies. I mean, I, I, w- Creed I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but I would definitely say it's up there and it holds its own. Like, what a way to continue the Rocky storyline with Apollo Creed, son Adonis, and I, I think Michael B. Jordan. He, he trained like hell for this. For one and two, and if two, two is kind of it means a lot to me because I, I just love full Rocky Four and and get to bring Dolph Lundgren back and have his son be in the training going up against kind of Rocky's guy and it just kind of it, it brought it all together for me and I just think that that's easily his best films he's ever been in. Yeah, Creed one for me is my favorite, followed by Rocky Four, Rocky One, Rocky Two, Rocky Three. 
And then uh, as long as I, Rocky Five's last, I don't care what the list is. Tommy Guns, baby. Tommy yeah, Morrison. That's, that's Tommy. the worst one. Even Tommy. Stallone knows that's a bad one. The Duke Morrison died of AIDS, by the way. Yeah, died of did. AIDS. He, he, uh, he had a promiscuous lifestyle. They made an incredibly good 30 for 30 about him. Yeah, um, that was right. I actually did watch that on YouTube. I, the first time I ever watched that was on my wedding day. <laughs> So oh, per- you know, perfect time to watch it, huh? You you know where my mind was. Oh uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a stupid human being, but yeah. So Creed is Creed is awesome. I loved it. Uh, my number two, my number one is not a movie film. It is uh, Friday, Friday Night Lights. Night. Friday yeah, Night. Yeah, yeah, I knew it. I I, I couldn't help I know myself. you too well, my friend. I couldn't help myself. It's he is one of the few redeeming qualities of the late seasons. Uh, there's only four seasons, but. It, it does drift off a little bit after a major cliffhanger. I, I think that ends season two or three. I cannot remember. Uh, and he picks up as the star running back on this team. And it's the first real thing he ever kind of blew up in. And it's still my favorite. Um, I think it's a little unfair because he has a lot more time to shine in a TV series than an hour and a half, two hour movie. But I was just so captivated by his character, his backstory in the show that, man, I couldn't stop. I'm so pumped on it. Friday Night Lights is amazing. Yeah, I think that's really how he got his start. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is too. And he's just super good. And he's a damn good running back. He could be my RB1 any day. Uh, <laughs> is that you, Creed, you said was your number one, right? Yes, sir. All right, let's move on to the rest of the stories for the evening. Die Hard is coming back. Oh, or so we thought. What a, what a cock tease that was. I still don't know what it's about. I'm still like, are we getting the sequel? Because the last one wasn't great, Bruce. It was a battery commercial. Oh, that sucks. It turns out to be a battery commercial for diehard batteries. Well, I mean, or, or that could be a thing. Like, let's see if the hype's still real. Let's see how many views it's got. Maybe we'll do a movie because he's got to be unhappy with that last one. I just think it was a battery commercial. What I, what I think, I think it would have just been a commercial and only a commercial if it was a Super Bowl commercial. Like that's something you do around the Super Bowl. Um, but the fact that it wasn't does give it a little bit of hope to be, you know, an interesting thing, but you can't track ratings on what are they going to do? Track battery sales to see if there's another diehard movie. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Wouldn't that be crazy if they did? <laughs> yeah. We're making another diehard because that commercial boosted battery sales by 134%, <laughs> meaning that the audience really must just miss Bruce. I don't think that's how marketing works. Uh, so I'd like to think it was just a really clever way to sell batteries. Um, but yeah, what a tease that was. And I, and I, just like you, I hope that, you know what, one day we get another diehard, but at, at this point I don't necessarily need one. It's like Indiana Jones, just like kind of put the character to bed. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's in his sixties. I don't know how many more, you know, badass moments we need from Brucey. But uh, I'm happy with a battery commercial, I guess. Uh, you know, I just wanted to throw that one in there because there was some hype around that. And they did a really good job of hiding that. it was. Oh, dude, they, they, they did good. They, they did good. Now, something that is coming back confirmed. We knew about it already, but now we know just a little bit more. Jonathan Entwistle, who was the co-creator of I'm Not Okay With This, which is a Netflix original, has been helmed to create and kind of head spearhead a power rangers tv and film connected universe separate from the 2017 Lionsgate and saban film that we actually really liked 
and I was gonna say it's it's great news. Obviously, you know, we grew up watching Money Morphin Power Rangers. I would have liked for them to continue where same that movie left off. Another okay. reboot is tough. It's like okay, now I got to start all over. Okay, I mean, one good thing, you know, we're still getting the uh, Legend of the White Dragon. Um, that little movie they're doing now with um, uh, Jason David Frank and all, a lot of the old Rangers that's getting made by the uh, Bat in the Sun guys. Mm-hmm. So, so that's great. We're we're going so we're going to get the originals there. So, like, I'm I'm cool with that. And, and any more, like, I I'm still going to see this no matter no matter what it is, TV shows, whatever. I just do you bring back the old guys or do you just reboot everything and you just start fresh and you don't have no cameos? I I would start fresh, but what I would do is I would give them their old names. I would make it, you know, Trini, Zach, Kimberly, and I would make new actors and give that kind of, and I would make it Rita Repulsa and Lord Zed. And and I'm actually probably even pre Lord Zed, because that's when it started to get a little out there. um, When, when he became involved in the, I think the late second, early third season, MMP is, is just so good. Mighty Morphin is, is by far no nostalgia talking. It's the best series that power Rangers had. And, you know, to bring back the eye villain and the wrapping pumpkin and the pig with the stop sign with the traffic lights sticking out of its head. Like the, that, those creative monsters are what I want to see in the TV universe. And I hope they do go MMPR. And I hope that the, the, you know, it being a film and TV connected universe, this tells me we're looking at least at three films probably minimal, and minimal, you know, spanning a decade. I'd like to think that this is a, you know, 2022 probably, Maybe twenty twenty three at this point uh, for a full decade, and I and I'm here for it, man. I really and am. No, no pressure, Mister Entwistle. <laughs> if anybody ever quotes that again, that's that's the quote of the episode. <laughs> no pressure, Mister Entwistle. <laughs> Fast and Furious Eleven will be the final film in the mainline saga. Uh, maybe we'll get some more in the Hobbs and Shaw universe, but Uh-oh. no more main films after the Eleven. I mean, thank Christ. I mean, I'm pretty sure 11, they're going to space, so there's not much more they could do after that. I mean, we're definitely getting another Hobbs and Shaw. It made over over $900 million. The Rock loved it and all them, so you know they're going to get it. Kevin Hart's going to be in it. It's it, it, we, we still have Fast and Furious for the next few years, minimum. Uh, listen, there are 14 Land Before Time movies. I really think that this should have gone for 15. I really no, think no, that come this on, Greg. And hey, and I'm coming from the guy. I, I actually like this series. Yes, it has gotten crazier and crazier each one, but I'm like, okay, once you, once you mention space, like that's it. That's it. You can't do any more than that. As as my friend and colleague Sam Matura would say about the Fast and Furious films, I don't give a baker's fuck <laughs> about them. <laughs> So, so fifteen. So good riddance, you filthy animal. <laughs> fifteen would have been fine by me because it's just four more movies I would never watch. Uh, but who can? You know, but no one's going to top Land Before Time. I at one time thought the Mighty Ducks were going to pass Land Before Time. They could have gone on forever. They could no, be. No, no, come on. Hey, we're getting the we're getting the reboot. We're getting the TV reboot on Disney Plus, baby. Who would have thought? Listen, by the time we're old and gray, there will be another Fast and Furious movie. I'm just pointing that out. They're oh, going no, yeah, to reboot. That'll be the reboot. <laughs> they will reboot this and it'll be like they put boots on cars. It'll be like unbooted. They'll like they'll do some lame yeah, unbooted. <laughs> yeah. They'll do some Perfect. lame car pun for it. Yeah, like, it'll yeah, be I'm, I'm trying unbooted. to think like who's who's young, like starring Justin Bieber or something like that. <laughs> oh, oh god. 
with all he's all tatted up with a grill and they're like is that leto's joker in the fast and furious movie? <laughs> uh, i i would bet my bottom dollar they're rebooting this franchise by the time we're old and gray and i think if they don't at one point before the like it'll be the first movie it'll be the first movie fast and the furious quarter mile at a time like and there's Perfect. your reboot and there you go. You're off and running. Then you can do a half, three quarters, and one. And you can do four films before you ever get to a sequel. There you <laughs> good, go. Good thinking. Let's move into the TV section. The Dexter limited Showtime series that all of a sudden I can't wait for. I never knew that it was coming. And then all of a sudden it hits last week. And it's like, holy shit, it becomes my instantly my most anticipated TV series in the next two years. I cannot wait. You best believe when we talk about our hopes for 2021 and our wish list that we come up with that this will be on there in our top three anticipated. And I'm looking forward to it, but I'm extra looking forward to it now because this limited series will reportedly take place several years after the end of season eight, uh, with the objective of it being a second chance at wrapping up the story nicely. So this is years after the ending that we got? Yes. So it won't wipe away what happened. So like we talked about last week, maybe they'll it'll be a dream. Maybe they'll just forget it and they'll go back to the church scene, which would be my ultimate. But at least they're going to do it several years later, which I would bet after the first scene of the first episode, we never get it spoken about again, and they just forget about it and move forward. If it starts out him chopping down a tree, I'm out. <laughs> That's I could see it taking place in a forest. Like I really, really could. And he has like a log cabin, and he kills somebody in it, and like he can't shake his ways. I could see that be a thing, or maybe he makes a cabin out of that I was gonna say that or something happens, or he runs into the chick or his son, or you know, we'll, we'll see where they go. They are in Argentina. He is in Alaska. I'd like to think they are literal polar opposites, uh, but I think that his son being sometimes you got to go to Argentina. Years, listen, if it's several years after the series ends, it gives the son a chance to have grown up. So yes, I absolutely think there is a chance that he will be reunited with his son, and with that comes. Uh, whatever her name is, Anna Strucker, I can't, I don't remember her name, but there's a chance that she does reprise her role as well. Yeah, I I can see it happen, but hey, I'm here for it. The show needed it because that original ending sucked. Uh, It's just, it's music to my ears that they're almost going to strike it from the record. It's going to have happened. They're not, they're not actually striking it, but they're going to kind of ignore it. And that's exactly what I was looking for if they weren't going to go back in time to season six. Yeah. And we get 10 episodes. So that, that, that's, that's reassuring. Apple TV plus those bastards they stole my snoopy as a father of a two-year-old little girl who i couldn't wait to show her charlie brown christmas and charlie brown the great pumpkin and my favorite charlie brown thanksgiving you're now only going to be able to get those on apple tv plus and they're not going to be syndicated on network television for me to dvr and forget about i'm so upset See, you're upset. Like to me, I I was never a Charlie Brown guy. Like I he, love him. I, he he just annoyed me. I I don't know. <laughs> I, it it missed it. That what, that one always missed for me. Speaking of Snoopy, which pup is that in the room with you? Uh, that's Rocky or Rocky. Oh. Jesus, Remy. <laughs> I was gonna say you named your dog after Stallone. Jeez, well, dude, a, as we were recording, they busted through the door. I you could hear had, it. I had three. Well, not right now. This happened like. 30 minutes ago, the door busted oh, okay. open. I was like, so you were actually talking. I had to literally t- 
take off my headphones, run out. And then <laughs> and when I pop back in, you, I guess, asked me something. So I'm interested to see how I answered it. Like, I, I don't know how it worked. I was like, oh, God, thank God. I didn't notice. So you, that'll be an Easter egg for you. Whatever that was, oh, you'll listen God. to it back whenever you do. And you'll say, there it was. I was, you know, because uh, if, if, the, if the video was working, you would have been like, what the hell just happened over there? <laughs> oh, that, it, that was a great behind the scenes moment for me. Like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn you, Apple TV Plus. Archer has been renewed for season 12. Yeah. And they were supposed to be done on 11. I remember them saying it got signed for one final season. Like, I remember them saying Archer was on its last season. I haven't necessarily invested in Archer since season one. So I've, I've never watched one episode. It's okay. It's the same guy who does Bob's Burgers. Yeah, and, and, and I think we say that every time. Like, he's a great voice actor. It's just like, he sure is. 12, like 11, 12 seasons. It's it just daunting. It's like and people, had, like Supernatural. It's like, hey, you want to start it? It's only 300 episodes. And it's uh, like an anime. It's like Naruto is 600 or whatever. Like, that's that's daunting. That's <laughs> No, no, yeah, Naruto was like was like five hundred and something. So yeah. that plus the Shippuden, so you had over a thousand. Jeez Louise, yeah, and and I will say, uh, he's excellent in the Burger Show as well. This is an, one of my favorite YouTube shows. Um, Alvin Kalani and does his Burger Show, and he makes all the burgers from Bob's Burgers and has the actor try them. It's it's a phenomenal episode. Oh, that's great. Now Quibi, which is a streaming service, which the intent was miniseries in five, 10, 15 minute chunks. Uh, over and over and over. And that's kind of a new way to think about streaming shows because, you know, nobody has ever tried that before YouTube. And uh, uh, just six months after launch, they're gone. <laughs> they shut down. Yeah, I, I think that was something that um, Kevin Hart was kind of investing in it and putting yeah. a lot of content on there. And I, hey, that that stinks. That, that was something I think we called from the beginning is not going to last. Well, I think the pandemic it, didn't help. Cause, I mean, you would you think know, it would almost kind of help it, just people being home. and But you can't film. So, and when, when the promise was 175 pieces of original content for your money, they didn't deliver that. So, you know, people probably bounced. And when you have five, 10, 15 minutes of content, there's not a lot of replayability there. There's not a lot of time investment there. You watch it, you're over it, you cancel, bye-bye. You could use your entire month free or week free or whatever, knock everything out. And then you're good. I can understand why nobody picked up on this. Yeah, I mean, hey, again, you, it sucks that people probably lost jobs and it stinks. But hey, they took their swing and, and they missed. And I'm and I'm going to say this too, as an advocate for people having jobs, because I, I definitely don't want people to lose their jobs, and I am legitimately sorry to hear that. But at the same time, one less streaming service right now is not a bad thing. It's not. Yeah, there there's already too many at the moment. This market is incredibly oversaturated. You saw YouTube almost even jump out. There's still a little bit of like YouTube premium, but a lot of that is like, hey, listen to music without, you know, when you can turn your screen off or whatever. Like that's the real YouTube premium thing. It's not the original content anymore. You know, like Cobra Kai moved to Netflix and this, that, and the third. So a lot of these streamers are realizing, and I hope CBS All Access is soon to follow because that that's a hot trash uh, I will say just, with, with Star Trek, I don't know. They, 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 keep, so they keep pushing. It's just it's so many streaming services that people that cut the cord are paying the same goddamn amount of money every month because they have all these streaming services you're signed up for. Yep. And it's the same thing with video games. The more exclusives you have, you think it's a good thing. It's just not because not a lot of people are going to pay $15 a month for HBO Max to go watch one of the HBO Max originals when you could literally get a free preview, watch it all and never go back. Or you can just get somebody else's logins because they have it for free. It's just 
The, the whole thing about sharing passwords really hurts the smaller streamers. Netflix, WWE Network, yeah, that actually does hurt the network. But Netflix and stuff like that doesn't hurt so much because there's so many subscribers. But those smaller ones, it's hard. Yeah, agreed. The last story before we get into music, Seth McFarland, I'm sorry, Seth McFarland and Danny McBride are teaming up for a TV series based on Smokey and the Bandit. This this could be a little show I never knew I needed. Until I always, it was announced. Yeah. I mean, I always, of course, I love the classic Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jackie Gleason. Of course, it's a fantastic movie. I, I just, I, we love Danny McBride. So Seth, Mc, Seth McFarland is a genius, no matter what. I mean, the guy, you know, from what he's done to Family Guy, to American Dad, to, to Ted even, I have complete faith in these two, and I know they will come up with something wacky. Hundred percent, and I, as a f- not really a fan of the original, as someone who has really no connection nor did I ever watch it, I'm interested as all hell. I, I really there's just, there's just something about Danny McBride, man. I just look at him and I can laugh. Uh, listen, I love Vice Principals. I loved Eastbound and Down. I loved uh, I loved Family Guy for a while. The Orville was okay. It's even not Tropic favorite. Thunder. I loved that he he was freaking hilarious. So there's a lot of things between these two guys that I really enjoy, and I'll take the positives out of those, and I'll hope that those guys teaming up is an unbeatable combination. Really do like that's there's so much potential in that series. Yeah, agreed. That's a day one watch for me. Let's get into the music section where I have two count them two major reviews that I want to talk about. One is absolutely in conversation for album of the year. The other, because we're having them on the podcast in one week. We cannot wait for that interview. Let me start, however, with the band Seaway and the record Big Vibe. It was my pick of the week. It was almost my pick of the week twice. I gave an update on the pick of the week saying, I hope that there's an album for Big Vibe. And then I came on the next week and said, oh, there is. And we were asked to do review coverage of it. So again, thank you to our friends over at Big Picture Media for the review copy. However, I knew I wanted this damn record before I was even offered the review copy. I couldn't wait for this record. Seaway, a band I never, before I heard Big Vibe and Wild Things, never really was into. And I know that they have a very large following, over 40,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. So they definitely have their following even before this record. They've been around for almost a decade, 2011. They've come out with three friggin' uh, full lengths before this. So they've definitely cut their chops in the music scene, but they never connected with me until I heard Big Vibe and, and Wild Things and even Still Blue when that song came out. And this record, I am so happy to report. The 11 songs on this record are the closest thing to giving Hot Mulligan, You'll Be Fine, a run for its money for my album of the year. There are others that I thought were contenders, but turned out to be pretenders in my number two slot. And then Seaway came along. And at the time, the front bottoms really had me at my number two spot. The front bottoms have been pushed to number three for the year. Seaway has nestled its way very comfortably into number two. So happy to get to say that because this record just fucking slaps. 11 songs, 36 minutes on the dot. And I would say that I could recommend two, three songs. And I'll give you a couple that I really love. But man, Big Vibe, Outside of Equip Sunglasses by Hot Mulligan. Big Vibe is my favorite song this year. 
It is so goddamn catchy. I've tried to get you into it multiple times, sent you the video. You said it was catchy. I hope it catches on with you a little bit more. This record is unbelievable. Outside of the singles, Big Vibe, Wild Things, um, Still Blue, probably my favorite song in the record is uh, is Mrs. David. It, I, I cannot get it out of my head. It reminds me of, um, again, that mid-2000s pop punk with a little bit of lit and a little bit of sugar cold. Like, I can't get that out of my head when I listen to this record. The good summer vibe, you know, pop punk before pop punk mixed with that alternative thing. I, I just love it. It's a record I want to listen to as I'm driving down New Jersey Avenue in Wildwood, New Jersey, baby. Uh, give me all of the big vibes with Seaway's big vibe. Absolute contender for record of the year, my friend. Like, I just, you, you always pick something like, bam, it's on the top three list. I'm like, damn, I, I don't even know what's one, two, three, four, five. You're, you're so prepared. I, I got to give that to you. We also, listen, we haven't heard the Bearings record yet. And so. Very true. And so there is a an incredible possibility that when I heard the Front Bottoms new record in Sickness and in Flames, I was like, there's no way that there's a record that's going to, you know, there are multiple records that's going to bump this off the top three. It's so good. I had Hot Mulligan and the Front Bottoms as my top two. And again, this is before I heard Seaway, uh, you know, this new version of Seaway, before the Seaway that I grew to love now because I wasn't a big fan before this record. And this record completely turned me around on them to the point where I am now saying it is past the front bottoms. And I have a good feeling based on what we heard from Bearing so far this year uh, from the new record, the four songs that we've heard, at least the two. I, I, I believe so damn wrong and the other one will be on the record. So, uh, I think that that's got a real shot to finish two or three over the front bottoms, potentially pushing Seaway to three just because bearings. I haven't heard a bad song yet from them. They're just such an incredible band. No arguments there, my friend. Let's go with the second record I have a review for, and that is Young Culture. They're self-titled LP. It came out the same day as Seaway's Big Vibe on the 16th of October, so just a few days ago. This one, 10 songs, 30 minutes, and one second. So both these records combined can kill an hour in the best possible way. Uh, we're having them on in one week. So the 28th of October, we'll be doing an interview with Young Culture. Uh, that, re- that interview will be available the following Monday, which is November 2nd, so right before Election Day. So as you're waiting in your nine-hour line to vote, you can listen to our interview with Young Culture. The record, like I said, 10 and a half minutes. My favorite track off the record is Compass and Holiday in Vegas. Holiday in Vegas being one of the singles released before the record came out. This is, and, and you put it really you put it really well, and you, I know you meant it in a good way, and I'll say it in the best possible ways. I did not expect the way this band looks for the music that they make. Yeah, exactly. Like when you see the band, like you just, oh, you see like a band, you think they have some sort of sound, and then it was like the opposite of what you thought. And I was, I was very surprised. Yeah, they're on Equal Vision Records, which is a huge label. So congratulations to those dudes for making it and for coming out with this awesome, awesome record. They're from Albany, so right around our friend Ryan Murphy's territory up there in in New York. Um, listen, I, I just, I loved it. It is. It is a little bit more of a, and I mean this endearingly, a little bit more of a typical pop punk record in the way of, a, you know, just name any any pop punk band. It, it's got 
that kind of vibe to it, but it is a, it does kind of carve out its own niche. And I love that about it. I love the vocals. I love that it's a three piece. So it's not this giant orchestral vibe. It's just good old fashioned pop, pop punk rock and roll. And I'm here for it. It's, you know, I think the press release puts it really well dynamic. And I, I agree with that out uh, adjective. I really would say that this record, it doesn't just take you on one journey. It sounds different track to track. I, my friend, Mike's dad used to make fun of us growing up for listening to newfound glory. And he said, Oh, what song's this Mike? And Mike would tell him the name. He goes, Oh, it sounds like every, uh, every other song you've heard by them. And I'm like, touche growing up now. I get that vibe. I do. I understand. You probably can't tell newfound glory songs from one record to the other back in the early two thousands. And I'm sure you could say that about a lot of bands, especially in the pop punk era. But I think young culture is again, three dudes making great music for equal vision. We'll have them on the show. Uh, I'm excited. Alex, Gabe and Troy, let's do it, baby. Two great records, Seaway and young culture, both highly recommended. And again, interview with young culture next week. Cannot wait to check that out. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Now, our last story of the night before your CGC spotlight. Just reminders, friends, just reminders that by the time, well, actually, actually, <laughs> actually, the day after yeah. you hear this, the day after you hear this, our friends are coming out with records. We had Sergio Anello on the episode last week talking about his new record, No Heavier Burden. And also the gentleman who makes our intro and outro music for the pod, Jake Fine, is coming out with his EP the day a day later, which I believe on a Saturday, which I don't I've never heard of a Saturday release, but I appreciate it. Uh, I I'm just reminding everybody that we got two banger EPs coming out this week. So keep your ears perked for No Heavier Burden from Sergio Anello. And I'm I God, it's escaping me from Jake's name. I think it's like something me. I'm checking it out right now. It is for something, the for something something, EP by Jake fine coming out the 24th. So as you're listening to this, just go ahead to Spotify, YouTube, all four of these bands for real. Like this is a great week of music. Seaway, young culture, Sergio Nello and Jake fine. You really can't go wrong. There you go. Two hours of music. We're giving it to you for free. All. Highly recommend it. Get it before it's gone. Sam, what's your CGC spotlight this week? Let's see. All right, I gotta gotta go close to the mic. So a little awkward here, but I got Detective Comics 411, the first appearance of Talia Al Ghul, who is Raz Al Ghul's daughter. If you didn't know, it came out in May 1971. I have it in a 9.2 off-white white pages. Denny O'Neill and Frank Robbins stories. Bob Brown, Dick Gorgiano, Don Hick art. And of course, you have that classic Neil Adams cover. This is a little Bronze Age key. I waited for a while because I was real, I'm always particular with my Batman villains. I always tried to shoot and get like at least like a 9 or better. Some books obviously are, are harder than some. Surprisingly, there's actually four 9.8s on the census, nine 9.6s, 26 9.4s, and 35 9.2s. A total of 581 total blue labels that are graded on the CGC census. To me, if you're a Batman fan, Raz al Ghul, Tai al Ghul, to me, they're all they're all major keys, especially, again, I love the animated series. They were featured prominently in that show, so obviously they would mean a great deal to me. This one, we got a story. It's called Into the Den of the Death Dealers. 
I don't know if they got that from Harry Potter or if Harry Potter got actually Harry Potter got the death dealers from them, I believe, because I think they call somebody death dealers. I don't know. I don't remember. It's been a while since I read the books. Batman scales the side of the statue of a secret meeting with an informant inside of the torch. The informant went went to police protection in exchange for turning over evidence to on Dr. Dark and the League of Assassins. An assassin sneaks behind Batman and knocks him out. That's who's, who the hell sneaks up on Batman? When he wakes up, he's in a dungeon and he sees for the first time Talia al Ghul, the daughter of the demon. I always like Talia al Ghul. Hopefully we'll get a live action better. I mean, yeah, I guess we did get it in Gotham, but maybe one day he'll show up in the movies, possibly maybe with this trilogy with um, Robert Pattinson. Maybe we'll eventually see him. But if you're a fan, Detective Comics 411. Now, before we go, before we go, I want to give a quick shout out to Wendy's. I have to give a quick Wendy's. shout out to Wendy's. I'm going to keep it to the end, but I want to give a quick shout out to Wendy's. And as much as I love their food, this ain't about their food. It's about their Twitter account. Oh, Wendy's, yeah, yeah. Wendy's has a fire Twitter account, but today they took it up to notches not even Emeril Lagasse could understand. Oh, shit. They made today like four for four pop punk day where they shouted out Hot Mulligan, um, Grayscale, amongst other bands that I love. Hot Mulligan replied getting a four for four. They like liked the tweet and all this stuff. They shouted out how much they liked the record and their music. It was an awesome exchange. And I'm like, look at Hot Mulligan. They've made it. But then right before we went on the show tonight and I was saving it for now, I saw a little tweetsy tweet. They said, Oh, by the way, we absolutely loved Lilac from the early November. So, if so facto, wow. if, if Wendy's is going to shout out my favorite band of all time, I got to give some love to Wendy's. Damn, I, I didn't see that. Oh, that's great. That's freaking awesome. I hope early November saw that and tweeted that. Race. They did. Uh, Jeff did. I know that at least Jeff did, which I'm sure everybody did at this point because I'm sure Jeff texted or whatever. But, oh, yeah, uh, dude. We're on Wendy's, baby. <laughs> they just sold a couple more hamburgers because uh, I think uh, maybe tomorrow for the Eagles, I might go get a, a little Baconator action or something. Hey, there you go. So shout out to Wendy's Twitter. They're hilarious first and foremost. They, they, they just got a follow from me. They just they just talked a bunch of shit on Dunkin' Donuts earlier today. They're like, yeah, your food is so good. You dropped donuts from your name. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, no, the, sticking to pushing the food. That's so good. You took it out of your name. My grandma has more heat in her roast. <laughs> because Dunkin' Donuts came out with, or I'm sorry, Dunkin' came out with a ghost pepper donut today. I, I'm, I'm yep. itching to try it, but I'm also not. So shout out to Wendy's for just being an awesome Twitter follow. But that was it. That was episode 208. We appreciate everybody for hanging out with us. It was just about an hour and a half. It's 9.01. We started at 7.31. So 90 minutes for your pleasure. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, listen, we got Young Culture coming up next week. That'll be available the following Monday on the 2nd of November. And uh, then we got 209 coming next week, which I'm sure we're going to have some awesome stuff to talk about. And we can't wait to bring it to you here on Squawker. Appreciate your time. And we'll see you next week for episode 209. Well, I guess I got to go get spicy nuggets. Hey!